You are now listening to the Major Jobs Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today I got to talk with a script supervisor and if you don't know what a script supervisor is, basically they take care of making sure that the script is uh, followed during a movie or television shoot. So for example, an actor can't have a watch on their left hand and then their right hand in the next scene or the clock is going at different times at every single scene. The script supervisor makes sure that every single part of a movie follows chronological order and continuity stays the same. So this one is really interesting and a unique position. If you're really interested in the film industry, this is the position just to listen to. Even if you don't want to be specifically a script supervisor, I recommend listening to this interview just to learn more about what the media industry is like. So without further ado, here is the interview. So my first question that I ask to everybody is, who are you and what is your job title? Uh, my name is Julie Webster, and I am a script supervisor for the film and television industry. Great. So what is your job description? Like, what do you do? The The way I try to describe it to people is I put the puzzle pieces together of everything we film, and it's my job to make sure that they make sense as a whole. Because uh, I don't know if, if – I have no idea whether it's actually a common – knowledge thing but we film things out of order and um that's why you kind of need to have a last line of defense in my job to make sure that everybody's you know following the same through line of the of the show oh wow yeah so you're there on the day when they film and you're just making sure that they're filming like the right things exactly and uh everyone everyone is generally extremely good at their job and doing their own it's also called continuity um but you know we're all humans people get very tired you're generally working a minimum 14 to 16 hour a day if you include travel time um people you know you slip up you make a little mistake here and there something as small as um not buttoning the, the shirt up three buttons and only doing two can actually be very distracting to the viewer, which is why that matters. Or, you know, did he have the jacket on or off at this point in the argument kind of thing? Because sometimes you start filming from a different point of the conversation. And if he's wearing the jacket again, then everything you filmed either without or with the jacket is useless. And you've just wasted all that time and money. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So did you always know that you wanted to work uh, as a script supervisor or even in the television and media industry from an early age? In TV film, 100%. It is for sure the only world that I actually kind of fit in. You need to be a little bit off kilter (laughs) to work in film. Um, because of, of the way that it's structured, you have you can't be the kind of person that requires a nine to five job. You know exactly how much money is coming in every week. You know how to budget exactly. It just doesn't work that way. Um, but I started off wanting to be in front of the camera, and I've been in front of the camera on and off since I was four. Wow. Um, and funny enough, I never heard the term script supervisor um, or script person or script girl or whatever was being used at the time until I was in my mid thirties when someone, uh, I was 
driving. I was doing transpo for cast um, at the time, and someone said, hey, have you ever thought about being a script supervisor? Because you seem to be able to be, you know, multitask, and you don't get really stressed out when things go wrong. And, and, and I had never heard the term. And it turns out that that's actually how a lot of people get into script supervising, because it's not a job that people talk about. You hear about directors and director of photography and actors, but that's kind of it, to be honest. Um, yeah, and it just kind of snowballed from there. I went and did this. It, it's a very long story, but I will uh, I will try to make it short. I went to this once-a-year workshop where you don't learn how to do the job. It's just kind of to let you know what the job entails. Mm-hmm. And it was like she was taking all of my past experiences of all these rando jobs that I'd had and it all made sense for me to be able to do that job. And mm. it was like I finally found the position in film that I'm probably going to be really good at and it, it really did turn out perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how would you say like someone would attain the job normally? So in your case, it was just someone told you about it mm-hmm. and you had this prior experience from the industry and it just like worked out. So is that a normal way you think people get into the job? In my job? Yeah, there's, it's generally exactly like what I just said. Someone is a friend and says, Hey, have you ever thought about doing this job? (laughs) What's that? I have no idea what that is. Or you go to set with your friend who maybe works as a makeup artist or as a grip or whatever. And generally my job is done by a woman. So let's just say female for the sake of simplicity because it, it's a very detail-oriented job. A lot of very good male super supervisors. Let's just leave that out there. Um, but, yeah, you, you look over and you see, like, that's the director. That's the director of photography. That's the gaffer who's the head of lighting. That's the key grip who's the head of the grip department. And they're all standing around this woman who's telling them all what to do. And you're like, is that a producer? Who is that? And they're like, no, that's the script supervisor. Mm-hmm. That's the person who knows what every department needs to be doing right now. And they go, I want to be that person. I want to be the one basically with a whole buttload of power, even on, on top of the people that, um, you know, are mm-hmm. famously the, the boss. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how it goes. For the job, though, there are no listings for it. There's no such thing as postings. You have to be very proactive at doing your own um, legwork. Um, what I used to do was go in the morning and the evening. You'd go on Craigslist and you'd look under you know, the acting gigs and TV gigs. And you'd look for indie and student projects. And you just look for anybody crewing up. Even if they're not crewing your position, you'd say, hey, I'm a script supervisor. Um, I, I've done this workshop, but I don't have experience yet. If you, uh, would, you know, do me the honor of allowing me on your set, you don't have to use my notes, but I need to practice. Most of the time, hmm. Indian student people will let you do it because what we're all about is, you know, get new talent out there. And I did that for about five months and just went hardcore. And I was like, any time of day, any time of night, you go for it. Cause I, I, um, I quit my job at the time to do it because I, it was a dead end job and it wasn't going to go anywhere anyway. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just I took a chance and I was lucky mm-hmm. enough to be in a position where I could. Mm-hmm. And within five months, I was making more money a month than I ever had, 
be- wow. because I went hardcore. I know a lot of scripties who are like, well, I can't, I have this office job and, um, or I can't, my parents won't let me because, you know, they like, if you're not really working and you know that they're never going to make it cause they're not willing to do mm-hmm. what you need to do. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was going to be the next question I asked you, which is that when I talk to a lot of people, there's always this balance of wanting to pursue their passion and also wanting to pursue what makes them money. Exactly. And it sounds like what you did is uh, you found a balance between both and you're making enough money where you're satisfied, but you're also doing what you're passionate about. Um, what would you say like your advice is to people that want to achieve that same balance? Um take your finances very seriously. Um, I'm now in this position. I've been now eight years, I guess. And I can tell you that within the first year I was making more money than I ever had. And I'm not talking a gigantic amount. I'm talking maybe four to 5,000 a month. Um, I now make a significant amount more than that. And the problem is, is, and I've learned to not do this is you're like, Oh, well the money's just coming in. The money's just coming in. But you forget that late December until sometimes February, there's no money coming in unless you're already booked on a show. Mm. Um, so if you don't know how to balance your finances, to be aware that there is going to be this lull, you're, you're going to be stuck. And if you are on your own, you have bills to pay and it's a big deal to to start knowing how to manage your, your money for sure. All right. So do you think that people that want to start getting into this job, mm-hmm. um, are they doing it because like, like a majority or like what you've seen, are they doing it because they like script supervising and you know, they're passionate about that industry or is it for the money? What would you say your take is? definitely a passion for the job because the stress level that comes with it is very high the you know I I can't even pretend that it's not true I find that I don't have as much stress as some other people I I make joke that either I'm really naturally inclined towards this job just because um, I have a undiagnosed ADHD, but I can do like four different tasks at the same time at work. And it doesn't bother me when people come running up. I'm like, Julie, what do you, what about this? And it's just like, yeah, okay, here you go. Here's an answer. And you know, it's not a big deal for me. And I have the entire script in my head and people can ask, Hey, what was this? And I'm like, I believe that's scene 63. This happened. And that's, she did that. And it just doesn't even phase me. Whereas I hear other script supervisors who are just like, it's so stressful. I can't deal with it. Some days I just go into the bathroom crying and I'm like, I'm either screwing up a lot and no one's telling me or I'm just naturally inclined to it. And even I find it to be very stressful. So, yeah. Would you say that your work-life balance is like not, like it's like thrown out of whack because from what it sounds like, you're working long hours and it's really stressful. Yes. But a majority of the people you say are really passionate about the job. So is like your work basically your life? When you're on a project, Absolutely. Um, I, when I got into my current relationship, he'd never been with anybody that was in the film industry. And so I, um, I had to ensure that he understood that when I'm working, um, I basically disappear. And that can, 
instill a lot of trust issues in some kind of in some in a certain type of person. And it absolutely makes sense because, you know, you you think you're gonna be wrapped at seven o'clock, but you know, they, they needed to add a scene or they needed to reshoot something or just is taking forever to do the scene and and they're like, Hey, are you off yet? And it's like, No, I need to stay late and well, I thought you were going to be off at seven. Well, I, I was hoping to be wrapped at seven because that's the 12 hour mark, but it's still going. And sometimes you don't wrap for, you know, 13 hours, 14 hours. And those excuses, quote unquote excuses sound exactly like someone who's cheating. It's like, Oh, I have to stay late at the office. But, um, I, I am very, very passionate about keeping my work life balance as best as I can. But when I'm working, I have to make sleep is my number one priority because in my job, my memory um, needs to be on, on point, but he is absolutely right up there. Like number two, right behind number one, because if you want to have a relationship in this business, not just my job, just in the film business, you absolutely have to make your partner the priority beyond that. When I am at home, I'm at home. That's it. And, um, yeah, so that's it. And I, I had to make sure that he understood, like, I, I you know, I, I'll text him a couple times a day and stuff, but I won't necessarily be able to talk on the phone because you never know where you're at. And um, I personally, I like to take some breaks in between projects. I also work in commercials. Sometimes I'm very fortunate that I live in both worlds. They're very different worlds. And so if I want to take a month off, I, I just, you know, call out to my commercial friends and see if they need any help. And I can, you know, take a few weeks off and just just spend it with him and just do a couple days worth of work and we're good to go. But um, relationships are very, very hard in this business mm-hmm. for any mm-hmm. for actors, for anybody of the crew. It just is because it's it's brutal time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what would you say? Like, and I know this is going to be hard to answer because mm-hmm. your days are so different, but I was wondering what your like maybe like what you do on a daily basis is like on, let's say you're doing a specific project. What is your schedule like? Um, let's see. So let's, well, let's go with a typical Monday and then a typical Friday. Typical Monday, you start, um, let's say 7am and you never know where you're going to be until the day before you get an idea because you do get these advanced notices, um, on your crawl sheet, but that can change. I, I might be um, an hour away from my house or I might be 20 minutes away. And in order to ensure, unless you've been to that location before, you need to leave at least an extra half an hour of travel time because you never know what traffic's going to be like. You don't know what, you're going to get lost. Did they put the proper location signs out to lead you there? Um, for me, I live slightly outside of the city. So I always leave two hours early if I have to go into, um, the closest major city. Um, if I have to go somewhere that's only a half an hour away, I will always leave at an hour, uh, you know, um, and p- plus part of your, your wage is that they feed you from breakfast to dinner. So if you get there early enough, you can get some breakfast too. So. All right. And what happens after that? Okay. So, um, you get there at seven, generally blocking, uh, j- Let's say, so seven is, seven is called call time. At call time, all of the crew that is required to be there for the actual shot gathers, and we call it blocking. And the actors come down, and they block the first scene, and get the director gives them an idea of how they want them to move through the scene. 
And the reason that that's important is because the lighting people need to know where they need to position all the lights for the shots. So if it's a lot of movement in the scene, they need to basically light the entire room. If it's just two people sitting, talking across from each other, they need to light them as they're sitting. Um, the reason the grips need to be there is because they need to be there to work alongside of the lighting people because they are the ones who bring over the stands and, the, and they're the safety guys for any um, sh like shading and shadowing on the walls, that kind of thing. It's a very important job because they're really in charge of saving us, saving our lives because it can be dangerous to be a grip. Um, I need to be there to ensure that uh, there haven't been any major changes to the dialogue that I am not aware, aware of or if I have changes and they're not aware of it. Um, because if you change something in the dialogue, it's potentially a, a total script changer. They could be saying something that completely disregards what happens later on in the movie or something that already happened. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, there's, there's uh, like makeup and hair and they should see because they need to know, oh, shoot. This is the scene, right, where she comes in and um, it's raining and we had to change it because it wasn't just raining. It was storming the day when we filmed the outside scene last week. So I, ha I remember now I have to make her hair even wetter than we had anticipated in the prep time. Things like that, you know. Wow. And uh, that's how the day goes over and over and over. Um, and, and six hours later... Oh, well, three hours later, we call it a uh, hot snack where the craft person brings out like a whole tray of, of soup or sandwiches. It's kind of to keep your energy up. But yeah, that's how it goes. You usually film like four to five scenes a day and you just do that over and over and over again um, until lunch at six o'clock where the catering truck has several different options for you, salads, soups, full meals. You usually get like ribs or um, burger sometimes like it's yeah it's it's a wonderful part of the wage that you get and um then you know you get your half an hour lunch and back to it you go you do another six hours three hours after that you get uh, another hot snack which is you know like pierogies or macaroni and cheese or something like that and um if you're lucky you also get the chocolate tray which is a little bit of sugar to, they, they come around and you know, cause after lunch, everyone always gets a little sleepy. Um, so that's how the six hour beginning of the day, six hour end of the day, 12 hour day. So then if you add in the one to two hours of travel, you get a 14 hour day. Wow. That is you know, a packed day. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't think I've talked to anybody that works that long <laughs> in a day. So that's, really amazing and you know i can already tell like you're super passionate about doing this and it's like it's really interesting listening to jobs that aren't your normal nine to five jobs mm -hmm. and just like what they're like and what they're about uh, so i thought that was really interesting what would you say is your advice for a teenager that wants to work in this field either like in the media industry or as specifically a script supervisor a teenager listening to this, what do you think they should do or like start doing? Um, for a script supervisor, there's literally no qualifications, none. Um, but what is very, very helpful is your stress management needs to be on point. You really need to be able to handle your stress and to be able to multitask and, you know, be organized, that kind of thing. That's just a personal, that's a personality thing, really. But work-wise, um, if you can do any of the behind-the-scenes stuff, if you can 
sit with someone who's editing so you can understand why it matters that the actors match their actions um, when they're acting and why it matters like for continuity if they change their clothes, if they push their sleeves up in, in the take that they want to use, but they didn't push their sleeves up in any other take, why that screws the editing process. It, it really matters. Um, sitting in with someone who's directing, who's writing, these are all things that your job is a part of it, even though it's not directly attached. Just so that you can get an idea of why your notes matter who they go to, why they are integral to the, to the post-production process, um, how, if they're written correctly, how uh, it's helpful. You can't just say, you know, uh, shot over right shoulder of man. That's not helpful to the editor when there's three men in the shot. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. And I've seen that happen um, because the, this person didn't, it just wasn't thinking of the fact that the editor needs to know which man you're looking at. And they're like, well, they can tell which man it is when they see the footage. You know what? That's not helpful when they're looking through your paperwork because they're trying to find something. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it, that's just, it's just because they're not thinking ahead. Mm -hmm. Um, you should be somewhat proficient in math. And I don't mean algebra calculus. The reason being is, um, a daily and repeatedly daily uh, part of your work is dealing with uh, one-eighths because a script page is broken down into eights of pages. Mm -hmm. And so when they say we're shooting five and six-eighths pages today, if you can't grasp how to break that down per scene, like this scene's only one-eighths page, but this page is three six-eighths, that one's four eights and that one's five eights. You need to understand how that's broken down to make it into five and six eights pages or whatever. Mm -hmm. So if, um, I'm not going to call it simple math, but if that level of math is very confusing for you, it's not outside of the realm of your capability, but you need to be able to figure it out because that's as far as it goes. It really doesn't go further. Um, and then calculating time, you know, this, this scene was 27 seconds, but I estimated it at 35. Um, and how does that throw off the entirety of the film for what we've already shot? What's coming up? How long I said the movie was going to be that kind of thing. So it, it becomes very detailed and, and that, and that really does matter because a production needs to know, you know, we, initially the script supervisor is also responsible for like timing out the script and breaking it down so that they know, Hey, we need this to be a minimum 90 minutes. Um, and we'd prefer it to be, um, 110 minutes. So we have some wiggle room, but a minimum 90. And let's say I time it out and it's, it's only coming out to 87, no matter how slow I realistically try to make it. They need to know that so that they can write a couple more scenes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so I also am the one who breaks it down like to, to pinpoint a, a date and time of day. Um, because if there's a calendar or a clock in the room, we need to know mm -hmm. what to put that. And unless there's something specifically saying this film starts five weeks before Christmas... Um, I need to know what time of year it is. I need to get those hints from the script. Like if they never say anything about scarves or, you know, sweating as soon as they step outside the door, I have to kind of make a guess as to what time of year they're going for. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. 
you can you can always ask and say like is there an intention of what time we're going for since you are filming in October and they might be like yeah we're filming it in October but it's meant to be a summer film well there you go I just take a guess and go with it mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. uh, wow that's like a lot of attention to detail a lot of <laughs> memorization and I don't know if I could ever do that because I always like misplace everything <laughs> and like I'm like kind of disorganized but that's like would you say like you've always been like super organized and super attention to detail even since you were young yeah um, I've noticed that my very good friend is um, the head of the um, special ed department and she deals mostly with children who have autism and she has stated very clearly she's like I've known for a long time that something's up with you I was born in the 70s right so autism wasn't really a big thing when we were a kid. Mm -hmm. She says now that she's trained and educated about it, she's like, you 100% are inside the ADHD spectrum. And that's why you've always been able to do like six things at once. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't even phase you. So that's helpful. Um, I have to tell you though, my memory, my, my home memory has gotten worse because all of my memory banks are stored for work. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I'm working, I, I have nothing other than mm. work memory. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I'll so repeatedly. So you, you, you build habits, like always put the keys. Yeah. yeah so. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so after you're done with a project, do you just wipe all that memory out? Generally, yeah. I, yeah. Keep, the, I keep the files, obviously. Um, but I almost everyone you meet, you're like, you're looking at each other going, we work together on something, but I don't remember what he's like. And they're like, you know, I've offloaded the moment you walk off yeah. set, you tend to offload because you need all of that brain power for the next. Yeah. yeah. The thing is, if you ask me like about something I worked on three years ago and you're like, Oh, do you remember that day? And I'm like, I do remember that day. That was the day that so-and-so fell down and um, hurt her wrist. No. And that was that day that the actor farted on set or something. I will. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So like going off of that, what are, what do you think are like some traits that are also important in addition to having good memory, being very good at attention to detail? What would you say is like really important if you want to become a script supervisor? <laughs> Work on your diplomacy. Um, if you don't know how to approach people, because basically my job is telling people that they've done something wrong. Mm. Mm -hmm. That that's literally if if you're being you know if you say well describe your job in a, in one sentence well most of my job is telling people what they've done wrong you said this line incorrectly enough that I have to correct you or you dress them in the wrong costume or hey guys remember this scene has to be dusk it's not full night um, if I can't approach people in a di diplomatic way and not make them feel stupid, all I'm doing is inciting um, an aggressive response. Um, but understanding at the same time that no matter what, you're always going to make someone upset. <laughs> no mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've taken the tap now of always saying, do we feel like, or um, uh, I'm pretty sure that we realized that this had to be nighttime instead of dusk kind of thing and, and go with that. And, I've been told that um, that sounds a little, uh, what's the word, um, not degrading isn't the right word, uh, condescending sometimes. 
Mm-hmm. But the other side of it is um, just straight up being blunt and bluntness. While I appreciate bluntness, it doesn't work very well when you're literally walking up to someone to tell them they did something wrong. Mm-hmm. And when I'm walking up to tell you that, that generally means it's something really important and nobody likes to hear that. So I would prefer to possibly condescend versus definitely probably pissing you off. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. And that's, um, I guess that's like, do you think like you've had that skill even before? No. <laughs> so no. this is definitely a learned skill yeah yeah yeah, for sure Uh Uh um something else i was actually told that i developed since starting this job was um i now speak in a very clipped tone and i tend to not conjugate things like if someone comes over and says hey julie can um can the actor have the cup in their hand at the start of this i would sometimes say no they can't And I, in my head, I'm hearing, I can't, they can't, Uh but on a loud set, they're hearing, no, they can. And so now it, it, it just literally takes away two extra steps of are them saying, sorry, can't, cannot, or can do. It Uh just takes away those two things. And I said, no, they cannot. And, um, I have been told that it's very clipped and it does sound a little bit um, snippy, but I would rather, again, have someone think that I'm being a bit snippy instead of taking up those extra 15 seconds. And because you'd, you'd be shocked at how much 15 seconds here, 15 seconds there, 15 seconds here, it just adds up. Yeah. It's wasted time where things could be moving. So. Yeah. And I guess to like wrap up the whole interview, I just want to ask about what you think your future is so you mentioned that um you're going to move into a different job and i just want to ask like you know what is what are you transitioning to and what is your future plans for your career um i've really been leaning i've been writing some short short scripts Hmm. and being a script supervisor is actually a really, really good kind of quick step into directing. Um, I think that's where I'm going. I, I joke around with my partner and I tell him that I want to like llama farm for the rest of my life because I just, <laughs> I just want to make a change and and just do something a little less stressful outside of it. I can put pressure on myself. But when I know that if I make a mistake, I'm costing everybody money and time and stress and time away from their families. Um, yeah. Whereas if I rely on myself, I know that I I can do what I need to do. Um, the writing part of it, there's a lot of stress there too, but the writing part of it, you're in control of it. And people can give their input, but I don't necessarily have to take it. Uh-huh. And the directing thing, it, it's just that's just a different creative part. Um, I'm a very creative person in the sense that like I always need to be doing something film wise because it just it's like I said, it's literally the only world I've ever truly fit in. Uh-huh. Um, I don't do restaurants. I don't do well. I certainly don't do well in offices. Put me in pantyhose and I just get pissed off like a Wolverine. Uh-huh. You know, I hate. It. Uh-huh. Um, 
and I've, I've done every weirdo job under the sun to just kind of get by as is most people that haven't quite found their place yet. And you're just doing what you do to pay your rent and that's totally fine. And that's funny enough. That's exactly what kind of led me into being a script supervisor because I learned how to take notes, quick, concise notes as an executive assistant in a, in a mining company. Um, I understood diplomacy working in that same job. I understood, I figured out diplomacy when I was working as a bartender, having to deal with aggressive people who've been drinking too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I learned how to calculate um, money very quickly as a cashier, which helped me calculate um, odd, odd amounts for time and the one eights and stuff like that. Cause it, it puts it in a different perspective. So I was able to train my brain to do that. Mm-hmm. And because I did, you know, I did the editing and I did a little bit of acting and, um, I helped direct some music videos and stuff like that. Um, those are just the creative sides of it, of understanding that aspect of my job of how to talk to those people. And yeah, those, it's all these random jobs that for 35 years, you know, yeah. all kind of came together. Yeah. And it was like, I finally found what I've been working towards that I didn't even know I was working towards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, you know, that's pretty cool. And I really like how you described like just like different aspects from your different jobs and how they all came into this one <laughs> job. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. So I think that's going to do it for this interview. I learned a lot about script supervising and the media industry and just how the things are made how what we see on television is made and you don't really think about it when you're watching tv or the movies you're like you know you don't really see it like in action but it's very integral and you know just something as little as the clock is the wrong time or Mm -hmm. somebody is not like holding something or they're wearing a different thing or like the weather or like time is different there's like all those different things have to be um taken account for and that's what you do and you know it's a really amazing thing that you do and i really appreciate you taking time out of your day to talk to me about it you're very welcome thank you for asking thanks for listening to the major jobs podcast if you liked it please be sure to follow us on instagram at major jobs podcast if you have an interesting career and want to be featured on the show send us an email at major jobs podcast at gmail.com with your job title and college major if applicable again thanks for listening and remember life happens wherever you are whether you make it or not